0: Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors.
1: Hey folks I'd like to welcome everyone back to episode 162 the panoramic outdoors podcast excited to be here we have jordan sillers from the media crew the managing and editor there so that that is an exciting guest for us i would say hey uh brennan yeah is that, for, was, is that a fair assessment
0: <laughs> yeah he was pretty rad to talk to
1: yeah so we're i'm sitting there's tristan here sitting across the table from brennan right now really excited again to dive into this podcast but uh before we do Brennan, I think this is the first intro that you and I have done together. Is that is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, I think this is the inaugural one for you and I. Yeah, for sure.
1: Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, and it's been kind of a it's been kind of a good time to be in the podcast conversation, mainly because at least for myself, I feel like I've been able to get outside a little bit more lately. So at least I have a few things to chat about. But, uh, how How are things going on your end there, though? First.
0: Not not too bad. I'm still out in BC working, but uh, was able to get out for a quick poke at some grouse today. So it's uh, it's BC, man. It's a different beast. There's all kinds
1: of cool cool stuff to get up to out here. Yeah, you you sent a pic. It looked quite successful. Like this. yeah,
0: yeah. My buddy, uh, the Phil and I, we went out. Uh, we got a little spot that we've kind of been letting rest for a couple weeks. Uh, we had a, a good shoot a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, today we ended up getting 18 grouse. It was a pretty pretty good day for the two of us. You know, a, a combination of a lot of ruffies and spruce grouse. So it was, uh, that's, it was
1: fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. What was yeah. it, uh, how long were you out for? Uh,
0: we went for the day, but you know, our, our day was kind of not just grouse hunting, but you know, we went for some cool walks down by the river and yeah. got looking at some different stuff and and yeah, it's more the, you know, early morning. That's when they were out, and then there was sort of a midday blitz of them, and then in the sort of early evening or late afternoon, they came out again, and that's uh, that's all it took for us. So it was it was really good. A lot of driving around, just looking at stuff.
1: It's a yeah, it's, so it's a little hard for me to conceive of because I'm used to like grouse hunting on the prairies here, and that normally entails like just kind of walking down a trail. Mm-hmm. And I got the dog here now. is Is it a little different in the, in BC? <laughs>
0: It's, uh, yeah, it's a different beast. You know, it's uh, uphill for half the hunt and then downhill the other half. And, uh, you know, the trails, they're they're old logging roads or they're old, uh, you know, uh, decommissioned FSRs or or whatever. But uh, walking up, one side's usually kind of a sheer cliff and the other side is just a very steep part. And for some reason, the birds always want to fly from the nice side over to the trees on the sheer cliff side. So you know, shooting them, shooting them out of a tree is kind of like, well, you're gonna have to scale the wall. And yeah, there's some pretty cool Spider-Man we had to do down some cliff <laughs> faces to go get a gross that just bounced his way down a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's definitely different than the prairies. You know, you can just go down a, a corridor at home and not have to worry about too many hills or, or anything like that.
1: Yeah, is the bush a lot bigger too? Like the or the trees?
0: Yeah, the massive cedars. Can't believe how big some of these trees get. Yeah, you yeah. just like, they're just, yeah, you can't even hug anywhere near around them and you just look straight up and yeah, it's, they're, they're not too, I feel like our bush is far more dense maybe because of the hawthorns and a lot of the undergrowth we get, like they get not as much as us, like these massive trees, but it's pretty free moving around them. I've, I've yeah. found in, in areas yeah. that I've been hunting in. So that would make it a little easier, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's just intimidating because you can't see the tops of the trees swimming high.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so how's that how's that work with the uh, the tags for you? Are you buying one as like a non-resident hunter out there? Or, like what's yes. The
0: so it's a actually I have it sitting right here. What do they call me? A non-resident, a non-resident hunting license unrestricted. So that means for a small game, I'm able to go without uh without a BC resident tagging along. Yeah. Whereas if I were going big game, it, it changes it. You have to have a, a host essentially. And, uh, okay. a tag. so yeah, I just going after small game when I'm out here, I haven't even bought a deer tag or a bear tag or nothing out here, just more just logistics. It's hard to get, take it in somewhere and I got no place to hang it. So just been yeah. sticking with the little animals and yeah, it's just a quick license. It's like 80 bucks or something, just shy of 80 bucks. And it, uh, yeah. Same as ours. There's a certain amount you're allowed. Bag limit and freezer limit.
1: And uh, what's the plan with them there? Are you? You got any any well, cooking them up?
0: So, so uh, taking the breast legs are pretty small. I got a couple of them, but uh, I just like taking them off the bone. And I fell in love with the catch and cook beer batter. <laughs> it's not even oh yeah, a, yeah. A shameless plug, but making uh, chicken tendies out of them is is actually pretty good. Made a whole big pile of them a couple of weeks ago on our last little uh, uh, hunt, and it. It turned out really nice.
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound bad at all. No, it's pretty darn good. And then how was the weather? You're pretty high dry or what's the what's the scoop yeah, out there?
0: It's it's good now. It's dry. Uh we had a, quite a bit of rain there the last, well, I guess about, the last two weeks have been really nice before that quite a bit of uh, precipitation just we really needed it my voice is still cracked from just breathing in smoke all summer so it's been it's been awesome it's a nice cool yeah. fall day you know it doesn't get past 15 now pretty much it doesn't get mm-hmm. colder than about plus three so it's it's just the ideal fall temperature
1: awesome i squeaked out on a few to myself so like um got out finally on a decent upland hunt again a grouse hunt was uh Put on 18K that day with the dog. So it was a bit of a hike. Ooh. Yeah. But felt good. felt good to move the legs and got, got our Manitoba limit of, uh, roughies there, which was great. Nice. Willie, Willie pointed a couple. Yeah. Which was awesome to see is like, it finally all kind of came together that way. He also like flushed a couple into me, which also works, but is not ideal. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, what we bought them for, but, uh, we're starting to put things together, which is kind of an exciting good. factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was, uh, there's a waterfowl hunt this, this past weekend here and, uh, got out with a couple friends, a couple of spots we were hoping to hang into were not available either because the water levels are too low mm-hmm. or because someone else was in there but we managed to sneak into kind of this third spot, kind of put a hunt, somewhat of a hunt together, got about 15 birds for, for three guys, definitely missed some, but, Mm -hmm. uh, Willie was there too. And I was actually amazed at how tuned in he was to waterfowl hunting, like to the duck side. We hadn't done it since the year before. And it kind of seemed like he was, he liked it, but it wasn't like his thing. Um, this, this time around he was whining. He was like, it was like let me go, let me, let me go Mm. get the birds. And for, he was starting to spot a lot more birds in the sky. So when they did drop, he was like on a rope to these things, which hadn't happened before. Yeah. Yeah. So he was putting things together a lot better this time around, which was kind of exciting to see as like a handler. So things keep improving, which is like, I mean, I guess that's all you can kind of ask for. And, uh, he's enthusiastic about hunting. So it's like, it's a real treat to be, out on the field with them these days.
0: That's awesome. You guys are in the water too, eh? So, like, was he jumping out of the boat? Uh after birds, we were, hunt-
1: yeah? we're we, we were hunting under the weeds, so okay. um, we had to hike it in a bit, which was fine, mm-hmm. a little bit of a workout, but we're sure grateful to have. We had two dogs there, so it was kind of grateful to perfect have the dogs doing the dirty work that day because <laughs> the, the mud was the the loon shit was thick. Oh was put it that way. Yep, that's fair. I was wearing my Badlands stuff though, and uh, that I got the Omega gear, mm-hmm. and um, I prior to that I had a Badlands backpack which I really enjoy, um, but I didn't have any of their outerwear, and mm-hmm. I'm actually really surprised that. Um, I'm planning to do like a two-minute review on Instagram here soon of like the the jacket I got, but yeah. surprised of like the functionality of of that jacket, and like you can tell that there's some thought put into the design. It's not just kind of like what, what can we do as easy as possible? Mm -hmm. Um, Everything from the fit to where the, I don't know if you've ever owned stuff before, but like there's like within the Omega system there, there's some like more wear resistant fabrics on it, like Mm -hmm. on the shoulders and on the elbows. And they actually line up to the parts of your body that they're supposed to line up They're just not glued on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that gives me, kind of confidence that this gear is going to hold up over time and the fits right. And, you know, I'm able to still do, do all the things that I need to functionally do like mm-hmm. swing the gun and carry de- decoys and repel water, all that stuff. So it's been a real treat to be in that system for the past uh, few weeks there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty amazing stuff. Like you can tell even just the stitching in all of their stuff, like I'm looking at a bino case right now, just this, the, the build of them it makes you confident walking through some pretty shitty brush and, and yeah, the bag I'm looking at now too. I love the bags. We have a couple at the house and you just, you beat them up and they just hold. It's, it's quite nice.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned stitching too. Cause that's one thing you don't, I noticed that too. And you don't often appreciate it until you own mm-hmm. a bad, bad piece of equipment. And then the Chase <laughs> yeah. ch- 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 bought a pair of waders. We won't say from what, ch- ch- uh, store. Um, but like he, he was saying that they leak on every seam at this uh, point in time and they're only like uh, two years old. It's, it's hard to drop that kind of, I, I don't know about you, but like, as like uh, a working hunter, it's hard to drop that kind of money on a, on a pair of waiters like that and not get mm-hmm. some sort, at least a base level performance. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. You see the quality of uh, products in our age versus say our older, our older parents, you know, Dad had waiters that lasted him from when he was twenty-one to he still was using them in his fifties. You know, <laughs> like it's yeah. just it nowadays, yeah, it's it's worth. It's really nice to see a product that actually holds up and you can use it for a while. And yeah, it might get a scuff or two on it, but yeah, they're they're uh, pretty good. And even their warranty, you know, they're they guarantee their stuff. Yeah, it's pretty pretty rare thing nowadays as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So special thanks to Badlands for helping us out. We're, we're looking forward to putting a lot more miles on that gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of putting miles on though, my buddy, uh, Brian, he's a big fan of the podcast. He was out hunting this weekend too. Actually, I didn't hear back from him. I should text him, but he was out on the east side of the province, um, s- sitting with another kind of newer hunter and trying to bag a deer. Um, uh, it's muzzleloader season now. Um, so kind of muzzle or, um. Muzzle or bow, they had kind mm-hmm. of going on that side, and um, so haven't heard back, but we were shooting back and forth over the the eye hunter platform there, and uh, it just another example of like the convenience that 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 platform brings to our, to our lives there. Mm-hmm. It's just huge. we had literally done some of the e scouting over the the platform itself, so like. He sent me a pin on a parcel of like a wildlife management area. So if you're not from Manitoba, you know, this is kind of like a, a crown land or like a park land that you can, you can access that anyone can access. Sometimes there's restrictions on it, but for the most part, anyone can go in. And uh, we broke it down all from like the aerial view and was able to like, look at access points and some theoretical areas where deer might be moving. And so that's mm-hmm. shaved off. Hopefully for him, some time on scouting on the ground, given Mm -hmm. that he he was only going to be out there for the morning. So, um, like I said, he, we, he sent me a pin this morning of where he set up the blind. And so it was kind of like, kind of a cool close to the circle. I guess closing the circle would be a picture of a deer on the ground. (laughs) Um, but like as close as it could get, uh, given that he only had kind of the morning to hunt. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just another shout out to like a a well thought out platform, I would say.
0: Oh yeah. The efficiency of it, right? Like making a plan and working a plan, you know, there's, there's the excitement of going out, just not knowing an area, but if you can plan it, especially if you're a working hunter, like you said earlier, you know, you got limited time sometimes and this just helps, helps with the efficiency of it.
1: Yeah. And not to compare brands or anything like that, but I did notice like the Facebook post. I don't know if you would have seen it floating around like, um, asking about the iHunter and Onyx platforms. And Mm -hmm. I'll admit, like, I don't have a lot of experience with Onyx, but I did go to check the comments Mm -hmm. and and there was a lot of uh, iHunter. So it seems like iHunter's done good for, I guess what I'm saying has done good for a lot of folks across Canada. It wasn't just uh, Manitoba or I know they're based out of Alberta or or have been historically, and it wasn't Mm -hmm. just Alberta folks you can... To me, it tells me that they've done the legwork to make sure that the app is functional in all these different provinces, but, uh, mm-hmm. it was kind of encouraging to see that across the board in some ways. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not to draw comparisons or whatever, but there's just a lot of very happy people <laughs> with iHunter and, uh, that's just really good to see. Um, I know like one of the things April and I have, we, we talk a lot through the iHunter app when we're actually doing our sort of hunting, uh, activities Being able to chat with her through there. Yeah, she's my wife when we talk about it and stuff. But looking through our chat logs, trying to find what I was talking about in a certain spot, being able to go on the app and just be like, no, this is what we were talking about that day. Keeping that conversation there. Keeps it very organized.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say you guys aren't like flirting through the iHunter app, you're just kind of <laughs> keeping, keeping well, it on top.
0: I don't know how much flirting I gotta do. She's already done. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you okay. gotta keep
1: the fire going, you know? Uh,
0: like, oh, I'll keep I'll keep putting some waypoints. You meet me at this waypoint. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: yeah. a few breadcrumbs.
0: Yeah, she'll just put little hearts everywhere and I'll have to find her in the trees with whatever else she's killed and help
1: her drag it out. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> need help getting this one? That's right. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. So if you haven't tried out uh, iHunter, make sure you check them out. There's a There's a few ways you can get them. Obviously in the app store, but you can also. I I actually do use the uh, website once in a while because sometimes, uh, especially if you want to look at a more like detailed layout, it's gonna mm-hmm. be it can be good. And you can even just do some of your waypoints and planning that way too. So they're yep. online online at iHunterApp.com. dot mm-hmm. um, So it's uh, there is kind of multiple access points to to do your e scouting and kind of your your logging and all that kind of stuff. Yep, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, yeah. it has been has been pretty good, man. Uh, you mentioned you'd been to Harvester the other day. They oh, yeah. uh, they've, they've kind of got some uh, fall stuff out right now. Some more fall hunting stuff. I know April and I talked about their boat storage on the last podcast there. I think that's still going on. I I couldn't tell you about how much room they got left, but definitely go check them out for that.
1: Yeah. Always something new kind of going on in in that regards. Um, I I poked in just to say hi, honestly. So that was, (laughs) that was just the way it was going that day. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sean was, Sean was in, so it was good cause I caught him. So we just shot the shit for a while. Um, but they're always bringing something new in and, uh, yeah, they are stocking up on their, their hunting stuff as well. Um, also like if you're in a pinch for ammo, I know the Herman's gun company there does carry ammunition as well, as well mm-hmm. as reloading supplies. So, um, they might be another access point for, or like another stop for folks if, uh, especially if you're finding that wherever you normally get your stuff from doesn't have Mm -hmm. be sure to keep them in mind. Heck yeah. They just added boat storage. Like you said, which is like, to me, makes a lot of sense. Selkirk, Mm -hmm. Selkirk's in a good location for most folks. If you're going the Lake Winnipeg route, or if you're going, um, the red river route, there's a lot of fishing points around Selkirk that would be on the way, especially for Winnipeg residents. So, um, even, even white shell to some extent or lack the bonnie, right? Like yep. silker, not a, a large detour and it might be a little closer than home than storing your boat and lack the bonnie too. So if you did need to access it for whatever, for spring cleaning or whatever, you know, it might make a lot more sense. So be sure to check out Harvester for that. Um, and then I got to the, the boys on the band there released another single, uh, Cowboys last ride. So I got to plug that one just to make sure that you, you give it a listen because, uh, yeah, they seem to just be coming out with singles, uh, every other month here. So the band is, the band is rolling. Have you, uh, have you had a chance to listen to any of those Brennan? Or Honestly, no?
0: no, I'm pretty lame out here right now. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, work eats up, uh, quite a bit of your day when it's 14 hours a day. Oh man. <laughs> I don't even get a chance to listen to music 14 hours a day work, three hours a day, April. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, Pretty much my life right now a little yeah. bit of grouse hunting on Sunday when I shut my phone off so
1: yeah, but, yeah. Uh,
0: but I will be checking them out for sure
1: totally yeah though every uh everyone I check in with keeps saying that, that the band just keeps releasing Bangers so give it mm-hmm. a listen for sure um and then if you did want to check out the store they're located at 506 Mercy in in Selkirk Manitoba there um and like I said or like we've always said it's kind of like uh even if you're not there to buy something it's just a fun place to poke your head in and and say hello. So Mm -hmm. huge shout out to Harvester as always. And then I guess we're, we're kind of at the point here where we're, we're getting into the podcast, but like, uh, we, we were chatting just a little earlier before we got on here, uh, about Jordan and just kind of his, his breadth of knowledge and and his motivation here. But was there anything that you were kind of really looking forward to on this one? I know you were in on this one here, Brendan. So. (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, I was, uh, I was in on the squirrel hunting. It's, it's been something that's really uh, intrigued me over the years because I don't know why more people don't hunt small game like that. Um, I mean, it's a pretty viable thing to eat and they do a lot of it down in the States, especially where uh, Jordan's out of in Texas there, you know, he's in the piney woods and going around, he says, laying by a bunch of oak trees and looking for them and well, shit, we got lots of oak trees up by us. So it's, uh, yeah. it's something that I'm looking forward to getting into, and he, he it was nice to nerd out a bit over the uh, over that in the podcast. He's a he's a very well spoken person. You know, he writes a ton of articles. You know, ranging in uh, ranging topics from like conservation, uh, firearms. He does some really cool firearms. One like when he, he pits different guns against each other, or like a caliber check, or gear, wildlife management all kinds of cool stuff. Um, it was just a really a pleasure to talk to him,
1: yeah. I'm a little sad I missed that one because, like, I've always been fascinated by, like, kind of the back end of the industry there. Like, i I, I know we've chatted with a few other folks that have long pedigrees in kind of the the outdoor media side of things. Like Tony Peterson comes to mind when i I think of uh, people who have written a lot of articles, but mm-hmm. then, uh Nicole Quatari there who like came on and chat and she's also like from the meat eater kind of group there, but now branched out on her, uh, a different mm-hmm. path there. Um, but it's always fascinating to see how like, cause you kind of have to come up with fresh ideas or at least if they're not a brand new idea, like a new take mm-hmm. on an old idea constantly. Yes. Right. So it's always fascinating to, to get the thought process or like where people are coming from for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Behind some of those ideas, because it's, it's, uh, man, I can tell you from even just hosting a podcast that sometimes it's hard to come up with a, <laughs> a new idea. So, like, it's, yeah, I'm really excited to see what Jordan has to offer. And I, I, like I said, I'm a little sad I missed out on some of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think we bring it up in the podcast, but his articles, a lot of them are right on the meat eater website. Uh, it's a cool little write up on them. And then just, yeah, there's just, you can scroll for, a long time and read a lot of cool stuff that he uh, he wrote
1: oh yeah yeah that's awesome yeah and also I think it says something again I, I won't get into the podcast necessarily but it said to me it says a lot that you're still able to produce in a, in a print media era of sorts mm-hmm. and uh, produce high-quality content so to me that, that tells me that you're doing something right as well right so yeah hundred all right. Well, I guess I won't keep you any longer here nerding out. Uh, but, but kind of our pleasure, I would say, to, to, for 162 here to introduce Jordan
2: Sillers, again, managing editor at uh, Meat Eater. Well, today's episode is actually a pretty fun one, I think. Hopefully. We got a guy right from our own backyard, but I think he's working down south with the Meat eater crew now. But uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Jordan
3: stillers, stillers. right <laughs> out the gate no close no close yeah good to be here thanks thanks for having me
2: right on so how we normally do our podcast i don't know if you've checked out an episode or two before you jumped on but we do a five burning question little segment and it's basically for us to get to know you you to get to know us and of course our listeners to get to know you as well so i'm going to start off with the five burning questions my first question i ask you all my guests this is um uh, if you had one last meal on this earth and what would you and what would you have? And what would you have to drink with it?
3: Oh man, last meal. There's a uh, pretty near where we live. Um, there's this tiny little burger place that makes the greasiest, best burgers you can imagine. And then he also serves gator. Uh, they're basically like little fried pieces of alligator. So, and he makes this sauce. I don't know what's in it. It's great. So I'd, I'd probably go with that and then just beer probably an IPA to to wash it down right on
2: Um, my second question is when you are uh, when you're doing like what you do as a profession or whatever you gets you outside where where does that influence come from like do you have somebody that you look up to or is there something that influences you in life like family where does that all come from
3: yeah that's a great question Um, you know I didn't grow up really in the outdoors too much um my dad wasn't wasn't real into it so it, it doesn't come from family so much as just from my own reading uh just just being interested in the outdoors um interested in you know in in nature and and kind of the human place in nature um and and how how we fit in with with everything um right, so that's right. that's kind of where it comes from my so my my wife's brother is, is, is an influence. He kind of got me into hunting. Uh, so my, my brother-in-law for sure. Oh, nice.
2: That's cool. And my last question, my last question, brendan has got two more following, following me up here, but I call it the fuck you money question. But if you, for some reason got this fuck you money that you could spend on yourself, but you can't invest it and you can't give it to family or friends, it's for you. What do you do with it? Do you go like buy a toy vacation? Like, what do you do,
3: man? I would go and buy, a big old piece of land, um, somewhere with a lot of deer on it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what what on. Would, that's what right I would on. do. That, it's also, I, it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's kind of an investment also. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm getting around it a little bit there, but it'd be mostly for hunting.
0: Right on. Oh yeah. Deer and squirrels,
3: right? Deer and squirrels. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess I'd pivot away from the outdoors. Uh, I, I like this question a concert or an artist that you'd like to see past or present again, what would you pick?
3: Oh, got to say Colter wall. That guy's Colter a Hall. good one. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. if. Uh, okay. All right. So this is, this is he's like, cause he's like a hometown kind of guy. Right. And I yep, know, you know people aren't always welcome in their hometown. So I'm, I'm glad to <laughs> to see that. Yeah. He's uh he's pretty cool. Mr. Mr. Wall.
0: And then I had another question here, a bucket list trip anywhere in the world country maybe just another state in your own country anywhere you'd like to go
3: probably new zealand i'd, I'd love to go out there we have uh, one of our freelancers is uh from new zealand and he just tells me about i mean just the hunting opportunities there are kind of out of this world because a lot of the animals are introduced so mm-hmm. they kind of just want to get rid of them <laughs> a lot of the times you know or at least they're not like managing them like you would a native Animal, so yeah, New Zealand, and then you know, just the scenery there is is beautiful, um, and I think the the family would like it too.
0: Oh yeah, is there? I I've heard peacock hunting
3: in New Zealand. Is I that mean, that disease? would be the place. Yeah, yeah. that would be <laughs> the place to do it.
0: know <laughs> oh, I don't have any ambition to shoot a peacock. <laughs> I just heard that New Zealand yeah. is a place to go for that.
3: Oh. Yeah, right on. So you made like through
2: it through the five questions. So round of applause because sometimes we've had people on there that take 45 minutes. Sometimes it takes like three minutes. So (laughs) I I think that was a, that was a perfect, uh, a perfect amount of time for that. But there's, there's quite a few reasons why I kind of reached out to you. And um, you know, I've read, I've read a few of your articles or blogs or whatever you want to call them in the, in the past. And um, the one thing that always kind of sticks out is that like for conservation in the world or conservation in North America, the Americas, Canada, whatever it may be, you know, we need more young people to be involved. And, um, you seem to write, um, a bit about that quite a bit or not quite a bit, but a bit about it. So that's kind of the reason why we wanted to get you on, but to kind of start off, you kind of already mentioned it, that your, your father or whatever wasn't much in the outdoors and he got into the outdoors, uh, because of your, your, uh, brother-in-law, but can we maybe rewind back and, and how did that all start for you? And like, where did that passion come from to even, you know, get involved with the outdoors?
3: Yeah. Probably I, I had two really close friends in high school and um, we would take these trips. So I grew up, I'm in Texas now, um, but I grew up mostly in Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley. And we would take these float trips basically um, down the Shenandoah river, uh, which is, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's a great, a great kind of place to, to be outside. Um, but we would take these, <laughs> we called it the leaky worm, I think was the name of the boat. Because uh, it was just this like the oldest, like crappiest John boat you can imagine. And we would just stuff it. I mean, it was, there were three of us and we, our cooler and our gear and just like all we would like weigh it way down, you know, way, way heavier than it was supposed to be. Um, but those are just such fun trips. You know, we camp on basically islands in the middle of the river um, and just like fish, fish down the river, camp out, fish at the island, um, go like wading, swimming, that kind of stuff. And those are just really great trips, like great time with buddies, great experience. We didn't really know what we were doing in terms of the fishing. (laughs) I kind of want to go back and like try again, but we did catch, you know, we caught stuff. We caught stuff. I remember one night we, it was dark. It was after dark. Uh, and we were catfishing and we pulled in like we thought the biggest catfish that had ever been caught, like it probably wasn't even that big, but like just that memory, that experience, it was so exciting. And so that's really kind of where it started. Cause like I said, I didn't, I didn't really grow up in the outdoors too much and it really just progressed from there, you know? And that's kind of a natural, like you start with fishing when you're a kid cause it's pretty easy and you sort of progress up as you get older. And so that's, that's kind of where it started.
2: Nice. And then like, once it got started, like what was the, thing that kept you going like i know like um conservation american like a little bit of american history there's a bunch of stuff that i think that you get your vibe from but like where if you don't mind me asking yeah. where does that all come from
3: you know i think i was i was really inspired to start hunting sort of more seriously after i read um the Omnivore's dilemma by michael poland you guys read that it's um I don't know. it's good i would definitely recommend it uh i forget the year it came out but it's it's written by this kind of like i don't know sort of urban guy who just starts to investigate where our food comes from um and it's sort of his journey like figuring all that out figuring out kind of the industrial way that a lot of our food is is produced um and the last chapter is is this great narrative of he wants to he wants to have a meal he wants to have guests over prepare a meal that he gathered or hunted uh, entirely himself, right so he he learns how to forage from some like foraging experts in uh, in his area. And then he goes pig hunting in California. I forget exactly where it is. Uh, and mm-hmm. and it's this great description, you know, first time hunting uh, and and he goes and kills this pig and he has, you know, he describes his kind of emotions and how he feels and then how he prepares the pig and you know butchers it and then serves it to his guests. And I thought like, that's really cool because i don't at the time you know i don't really know where my food comes from either i'd, I'd never really thought about it very carefully uh and so that that's really l- largely what motivated me to to get into to hunting big game hmm.
2: yeah it's very interesting because like um the, like one of the reasons why we started panoramic was like and i've i've said it on multiple podcast episodes is that we've had so many people like um in age age ranges from like 10 to 40 that have reached out to me personally about like getting into hunting or or you know finding your own food or whatever that may look like for for that individual right and like that was one of the leading parts of us starting the the program or our, our a little business is because we want to get people outside but there's it seems to me and especially after covid there's so many people that have you know come up in this world and don't know maybe the outdoors things or didn't have an avenue or or a, mentor to show them those things so it's very interesting that you know you come come from a world that you weren't really into it but now you're like right in the middle of it like you're yeah. working for you know working for a big big group and you're and you and your day-to-day is is the outdoors
3: yeah it i am very fortunate i feel very <laughs> fortunate i i mean i i started freelancing just to kind of fund the hobby you know, because hunting is expensive. It, it can be expensive. Um, oh yeah. And so I, I started out freelancing, and then uh, got connected with Meat Eater and freelance for them for over two years, about two and a half years. I was just writing articles. wasn't employed. They would just, you know, I would pitch stuff, and then they would approve it or not, and then I'd write write the articles. And then uh, I just had an opportunity to to come on full time, and they were like. Yeah, you know, this 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 is great. But yeah, I am kind of the stereotypical like, I don't know, the last 15 years probably a lot of people have gotten into hunting because of the food thing, you know. Right. Um and and that's been a very productive. Actually, one of the first articles I wrote for Meat Eater was about Alberta and how they've increased their percentage of hunters in the state and they're like the only like province or state to have done that when I, but at the time I wrote the article and uh I talked to some of the people there and they are like, yeah, food, the food thing is big. Like that's a, mm-hmm. a reason a lot of people get into it. Uh, a lot of people stick with it. And like, we're getting, you know, moms, right. Moms of kids who are like, I want to know where this meat comes from. And so I'm just going to go get it, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, And yeah. so that's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stereotypical in that way, but I've been able to, because, you know, of my, of my training as a writer, been able to, to kind of get into the industry through that avenue yeah
2: Uh, well there's a lot of things that you that you just said i want to touch on in a bit but um i kind of want to just kind of jump back a little bit like so you're a writer um did you go to school for that like how did that all start for you
3: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i uh my my degrees are all in english or english literature so i was always a big reader growing up that and that so i i tell people my my dad didn't teach me about the outdoors, but he taught me to play basketball and he taught me to love to read, which nice. both things have been incredibly, um, you know, a huge part of my life. And I'm, I'm very blessed to, to be able to do those things. But yeah, big reader as a kid, I, when I was trying to figure out what to go to college for, I knew I loved to read. I knew I always loved my English classes, even in high school. And so I thought, well, I'll just, I'll major in that. And so it, that's kind of where, where that started. And then I thought I was going to be an English professor for a long time. I went to graduate school for English. But through that time, that's when I started freelancing for for outdoor publications. And uh, once I kind of got closer to finishing my degree, I realized, you know, this is what I really love. This is what, you know, is the most fun for me. And if I can turn it into a job, then I'm going to do that. (laughs) Um, Really follow your passion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I still love to read. I still, you know, obviously I would say I write every day, all day, but like when I was in grad school, uh, I love the summers, like especially, right. Because all I did was the outdoor writing stuff and I like looked forward to summers and when summers would end and I have to go back, you know, to classes and teaching, I would kind of be disappointed. And so I realized like, huh. why don't I just do this all the time? <laughs> yeah. Kind of- where, where things started
2: yeah I I often think about like jotting stuff down and like I don't know just like I, I drive a lot right now with my job so I find myself like just thinking you know about random stuff and and writing is one of the things that I've never done but I think I you know maybe I could start writing but I guess like I guess my question is for you is like what like but where did the, the outdoors start for you? Like how, how did the writing about the outdoors? Like, obviously you're writing way before that. And then all of a sudden it was like, is yeah. it like the fictional part of the outdoors or is it like you want to go and research and then teach people about the outdoors?
3: Yeah. So I think of myself as um, an outdoor journalist. My, my dad is actually, that's what he does. He's a journalist. Okay. Um. So like, I'm not like we have guys who work for me either and our freelancers who are way more knowledgeable about pretty much every kind of like animal you can hunt right than sure. I am so i like help manage those writers um when they submit stuff i i you know edit it help edit it get it on the site but when i write stuff it's like i'm going to other people other experts or other sources and putting that together and then that's what i'm publishing right so i don't I I do some, one of my areas of expertise is firearms. So I I do some uh, kind of how-to in that space because that's where a lot of my my experience is. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, if I'm going to do like a piece about, well, I I just don't, right? I don't do those how-to pieces, like, you know, three ways to hunt a big butt, a big butt, a big buck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'd write that in the yeah. club <laughs> no publish yeah. that kind of thing <laughs> at me either um <laughs> we'll keep that in that was good um, yeah, absolutely uh yeah three ways to hunt a big buck during the rut like i don't do that kind of stuff right i manage the people who, who do in, in terms of their writing but that's not really kind of what what i do so that's right. that's the way I, I think of myself
2: yeah and the reason why i kind of ask that question is because one book that when i was growing up one book that i read and was obsessed with. I think I read it like three or four times was the hatchet. And it was like oh uh, yeah You know that book. Oh yeah, uh, I love that book. I can't book. remember who wrote that book now. Anyways, it doesn't matter, but yeah, it's a total fictional book, but it was like so interesting to me and um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's why I got into the outdoors, but the survival, bushcraft yeah. side of it, I was just so intru- like I was just so interested. It was unreal.
3: Oh yeah. Did you read My Side of the Mountain? I I haven't. No. no. That's another one same kind of thing. Um a little less like gritty i would say hatchet is pretty gritty it has like some gore and like it's very like hardcore survival my side of the mountain is a boy who basically just decides to go live out in the woods um and it's about his how he does it and how he survives and like he goes in occasionally to like read a library book on like how to catch a hawk for hunting you know <laughs> and so it's like it's not quite as gritty as as hatchet but it's great still like we actually just read it to to our kids and oh, nice. uh, my son especially thought it was the best thing ever so that's so that's like
2: me. that's like perfect it'd be probably my reading level then yeah uh, i <laughs> yeah, loved thing. it man i love Let's kids books kids yeah. books
3: are are sometimes better than books for adults can yeah. be
0: very
2: insightful
3: huh? mm-hmm yep
2: quick little break there um yeah so then so you were but you were born in winnipeg is that correct yep born and then in winnipeg. and then what what took you down south
3: so born in winnipeg we lived so my whole family's from canada grandparents uncles aunts i still have grandparents an uncle and aunt and a bunch of cousins in winnipeg so and then my other grandparents are in calgary or yeah i think they're in calgary now they were in red deer now they're in calgary um but born in Winnipeg. We moved to Calgary, lived there until I was about seven. And then we moved down to Texas to Austin. Uh, That's where my dad got his PhD was at the University of Texas in Austin. So lived there for three years, three and a half, and then moved over to Virginia. And that's where my parents still are. So it was just following my dad. He, he was a journalist in Calgary and he he just decided he wanted to be a professor and, and teach journalism, so um, needed his doctorate.
2: Right, and then when well, then what took you back to Texas? Like that's where you're at now.
3: Yeah, um, my wife's from Texas. She she grew up um, just west of Fort Worth, so we 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 moved around a lot, quite a bit when we first got married, and then we ended up. I did a graduate program in Waco at Baylor. Um, in part, because it was pretty close to my wife's family. And then now we're up in Tyler, which is in East Texas, because she works from home. I work from home. Uh, we can kind of live wherever we want. And so yeah. we, knew we wanted to stay in Texas to be close to her family. But we just really like this area. Great church. We have a school that, that our kids go to that we really like. So oh, nice.
2: nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like Texas has always been like one of those places. I've never been but it's always been one of those places on my kind of like bucket list to go and check out and it's not like flying into to one of the major centers it's more or less like if you know obviously you'd fly in there but rent a car or something and go and check everything else out like it yeah. just seems like there's it's like a whole different country down there compared to the US right of the, of what we see in the news and everything else but yeah. it seems like the wild west <laughs> still in a way yeah
3: you know it was a real culture shock moving from canada to texas even you know for me as a seven-year-old i remember um we lived in an apartment for a while and i had a little friend named andy and this kid had i mean at the time it seemed like he had the thickest southern accent and i i actually couldn't understand him and his parents like they would say things to me and i was like i don't know what you're saying i think you're speaking. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, there's lots, of, there's lots of things that are different, lots, lots of things that are the same. Texans definitely have pride in their state, which is one of the reasons I like it. I like, yeah, I like living somewhere where people are proud of of where they're from.
2: Yeah. Do you ever go and like pay for your groceries and then people look at you and be like, yeah, you're Canadian? Like, do do you have like, do you think you have an accent for anyone else?
3: No, well, so I don't think I I do any anymore. I right. did in high school, and not not a very thick accent cuz again I, we moved when i was 7 but like my parents you know have have fairly strong canadian accents um and so like saying saying out uh right. and any of those ou words people would be like why are you saying it that way and so when you know when people find out you're from canada it's just like that was my thing in high school
2: yeah <laughs> i um i ran, I, well, I went on this cruise in like uh, the caribbean and ran into these these people from texas and they were so oblivious to canada they're like they legit like thought we lived in igloos and had polar (laughs) bears and like Uh they like Uh i had to like explain them like no we don't like we actually have houses the same as you (laughs) Like, it was it was insane oh yeah yeah
3: yeah Yeah. no we get that a lot and you know texans love texas you know there's lots of people who just never leave Mm -hmm. and they're like why would i want to leave texas and so canada is just like totally off the board (laughs) That's right.
0: That's right. Houston's beautiful.
3: We're not worried about that at all. Yeah.
0: I did a trip to Houston for a a certification one time and we rented a a buddy and I went down there We rented this two door charger, just this beautiful car and just cruising around Houston. That city is awesome. Absolutely awesome. We got in a little bit of trouble one night downtown at a BYOB. Apparently you can bring your (laughs) own booze to things. (laughs) Yeah, really didn't know. And yeah, Yeah. we got. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Texas take yeah. care of us
3: <laughs> yeah man Houston's huge so sprawling there's just like you know you can say like oh I, I I live in Houston or like I'm going to Houston and then another person can be like oh yeah I live in Houston too but you live like three hours away right mm-hmm. it's just yeah. like so massive and Dallas fort Worth same same kind of thing um yeah. I actually had a cousin well I have a cousin who he he trains horses And so he went, he came down here to Texas, not to where we are, but actually to where my brother-in-law lives um, to like get some training from like another horse trainer. And so he, he was staying with my brother-in-law who's very Texan. I mean, he's like born and raised, you know, great guy. And so it's like this clash of like kid who's from Canada, from Winnipeg now like living in the same house, with this guy who's like born and raised in Texas, and uh, it was apparently they got along really well, but it was my my cousin was just shaking his head constantly. Like, apparently, he's, he was just like, That's so Texan, that's so Texan, and, like everything. And like, he's a horse guy, you know, so he like yeah. fit in in terms of like his interests, but just kind of, you know, the way of looking at the world is a little bit different,
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. I want to jump back there to the, the writing side of things, and uh, you know, some of those. Influences that you have, um, and you did mention that you, you you do write about guns and stuff. And I know one thing that we don't talk about is politics. But how much of the gun writing articles that you do like kind of get sucked into the political side of things? And do you ever find that like writing about guns is is kind of a touchy subject, or do you have an audience that you're usually shooting for? No pun intended. Yeah,
3: I mean, most of the gun articles we publish are more of the like informative. Right. Like I I write a lot about different cartridges and kind of their performance and, you know, whether they're good for X, Y or Z animal. Um, So most of them are like that. Occasionally we will write about legislation and then, you know, like when I write about that, that kind of those kind of topics, I I try to be fairly even handed. You know, I put on my like journalist hat and I say, you know, here's what this side says. Here's what the other side says. And you know, it's meat eater, So like our audience is like, generally pro gun, right? I right. think like most people in the outdoor space are. Mm-hmm. And so you know, they kind of draw their own conclusions. And people seem to appreciate the kind of even hand even handedness of the way we try to cover those issues.
2: Yeah. And like, that's the only way to do it. And, and, and for obvious reasons. And like, the the reason why I kind of just asked about it is just, I just find that it just seems like, some i don't know how to explain it properly but i guess like sometimes to have an opinion or if you want to write an article or whatever you almost got a risk being offensive or risk um, being wrong in someone's eyes and like yeah. putting it out in the public it's like well someone can grab an article that you've written 2 years ago and like put it against you about maybe something else that the media has done so yeah. I, that's why i just kind of ask is it must get super tricky when you when you write about certain articles and just that's got to be in the back of the mind right
3: yeah, for sure. And and I mean that's why it's not just me, right? Like we have a team of people. Um I have my kind of direct superior who's who's another of the editors. Um and so she looks at it, you know, and then if we have a question, we'll run it by other people. And so once everyone's like, yeah, this looks good, you know, then we publish it. But like at some point, you just have to have to write what you're going to write and then defend it you know, because mm-hmm. you're not going to make everyone happy. That's just no. not a thing that's going to happen. And so you have to know who your audience is. You have to serve your audience, right? Like I'm I'm there to serve the meat eater audience and provide them with good information that's helpful to them and helps them understand whatever topic it, it is I'm writing about. And so I try mm-hmm. to just keep that in mind and give them the information that I would want, you know, as as a, a reader. And then if people don't like it, you know, it's like if, if you've done a good job, you'll be able to defend it. Mm-hmm. and explain why you said what you said and you don't always get it right you know sometimes you have to issue a correction and that's just part of the, the thing like we publish a lot you know yeah. and so every yeah. once in a while it's like okay yeah we got that wrong let's correct it and and move on
0: mm-hmm. corrections can happen years later too right society yeah. changes their mind on something and and then it's just different
3: so yeah i mean articles. yeah yeah i don't think we're writing anything that's so like that's likely to change like in the near like in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not, it's not so um like flamethrower that mm-hmm. you know that we're gonna have to like issue a retraction in a couple of years. But yeah, you know, like if we go back and say, like, well, this wasn't quite what we wanted, we we can issue a correction or or you know, write another article being like we published this back then, here's why, and now we're publishing this now and here's why mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of let let people read that and i think most readers like despite the comment section sometimes <laughs> um, you know of anything right a youtube video yep. an article, whatever i think most readers are are fairly reasonable and would be like yeah you know that that makes sense
1: mm-hmm.
3: i really do like the
0: article uh it's kind of one of my more of your recent ones about the uh the uh, firearm legislation that we have going on up here right now where you know, yeah. certain firearms are going to be banned under certain wording, and how that can be perceived as unfair because mm-hmm. you know you're just criminalizing hunters. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a really good article and very very easy to read and understand. You like, I mean, you named some of the people that are involved with these uh, these laws that are getting written, and it, yeah, it was just it was great. It was short, sweet, and to the point. And I wish and I hope that a lot of people up here read that because it's. It's just something people can get something from.
3: Yeah, thank you. I I appreciate that. And you know, as as someone who was born in Canada, I had kind of a a special like a special place in my heart. <laughs> you know, I wanted <laughs> I wanted to do a good job with that, um, mm-hmm. and really kind of kind of express and explain the perspective of hunters and like why this will be a problem for many of them. And that that's mm-hmm. really what what I was trying to get across in that piece. Mm-hmm. It's
0: important for us to get it right in especially the wording and yeah, you know, what yeah. what it is that they're that they are writing about, like writing these exactly. rules around. Like they need to be everybody needs to be educated, including the people that are passing these things.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's amazing sometimes. It's like, oh, like we're down here, we're dealing with um, they passed the gun bill last year, and it included a provision that said that a certain type of federal funding couldn't go to programs that train people to use weapons and so the department of education interpreted that to mean well we can't use this money to do like like student like high school archery classes right we're not allowed to do that anymore
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, right. and you know like a, a bunch of of conservative legislators voted in favor of this bill and they're like no no we didn't mean that it's like well it was in the bill. like yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that that long of a bill like you could have read it and been like hmm, yeah I wonder, and yeah i, I think Phrase,
0: phrasing phrasing <laughs> like, exactly
3: you're phrasing. what are like yeah. what will be the consequences of this yeah hunter yeah.
0: education with you know yeah firearms all yeah. the weapons technically by definition i suppose right <laughs> right
3: exactly yeah. Exactly. So hopefully they'll they'll figure that out. I've I've seen a lot of even Demo, you know even Democrats have been like this is not good. We should no. fix this. So hopefully, hopefully they'll fix it. I think they're going to fix it. I think it'll be mm. fine. All right.
2: Yeah. Um. But, and then to kind of <laughs> keep on like jumping back to this writing thing. We get into a good conversation about about that. But the one thing that I I will mention is that when I came across Mediator quite a few years ago. The one thing that I really did appreciate from what not only Steve Rinaldo did, but everyone else that was involved in that whole group was kind of like what you said is like you're kind of you're kind of, you know, let's say catering into the outdoor world. But you're kind of taking in anybody that wants to question you, you know, and there's like a, there's a YouTube video of Steve, I think, at a book signing or something. And someone kind of challenges him. He's a, he was a vegan, right? I think it's yeah, pretty popular, right? And, mm-hmm. like, that's that's the whole vision I have for Meteor. And, like, like you said, like, yeah, it sucks because sometimes there's comments in some of these articles that might not help. But at the same time, the Meteor, like, almost takes that challenge and then, you know, feeds off of that. And, yeah. like, that was one of the things, like, when I was reading some of your articles, I could kind of see that, like, in in, in ways that, like, it's – you're not writing to one audience. You're writing to everybody. And, like, there's going to be people that don't disagree – or don't agree, right? And there's going to be people that might, might agree and be like, oh – you pussy we don't do it that way down here and yeah. wherever like we don't do that right. in manitoba
3: yeah you know <laughs> yeah so. and, and yeah and i think i think steve does a great job setting the tone for that um because i i was a fan of meat eater before i worked for them right and right. so it's, it's really a pretty cool job for me um but like right. if you listen to the podcast we have you know these kind of hot button issues and he's he's good about knowing Both sides and giving both sides room to argue and then like if one side like if they're having a guest on that's advocating for a certain side like for example
2: bigfoot
3: yeah (laughs) um the the issue about like lead ammunition right? right like they cover that quite a bit on the podcast and i think steve does a good job of being like well the other side says this what do you say to that you know, right. and kind of going back and forth, and allowing for that dialogue, um, rather than kind of just picking a side and like we're gonna, we're gonna stick with this no matter what, yeah. Um, and so yeah, we we try to do that, you know, as as much as we can, while at the same time, you know, we're about hunting and fishing and conservation and wild food, and so like, if it if if there's a threat to that, we're not gonna be like, well, it'll probably be fine, you know, like we've we're gonna take a stand and say no, like we need. Mm-hmm we need these seasons open we need hunters need opportunities um we're not just going to close the season because you don't like it right and so like we're going to take a stand on on that kind of stuff but you know if there's real debate um we're not going to shy away from it
1: if you're listening to this episode we know you love local and so do we that's why we're going to encourage you to check out your local co-op Co-op is in over 600 communities across Western Canada with over 2 million members. Co-ops are a member-driven organization that serve the local community. You can check out co-ops for all your food, fuel, home and construction, as well as agricultural needs. A membership costs you $10 to get in and you're going to see that back in equity. You don't need a membership to shop at Co-op but you would be missing out on all the equity and most importantly, your say and how that company runs for groceries. If you want to shop online, you can check it out online at shop.crs and select markets. There's hundreds of local products sourced and packaged all across Western Canada and even free cookies for children in store at the deli counter. If you're looking at a home and building experience, they have local experts available to help with any plant, large or small. And free home and garage blueprints available for online download. Their gas stations are not just a great place to stop for fuel, but also for snacks and a recharge. They're available all across Western Canada, voted the cleanest bathrooms. They have full service at most locations and car washes at most locations. On the egg side, Co op's been in the business since 1930 and has continued to lead the way in not just energy products needed for seeding, harvesting and everything in between, but also in the growing inventory of high quality products, including crop inputs and feed that Co-op manufactures and distributes. Co-op's private label production selection is growing every year, providing growers with the high quality products they expect from the name they trust. Co-op also offers a range of fuel, lubricant and propane products, and also provides farm buildings, grain bins, Bulk fuel, fuel tanks, livestock equipment, fencing, and heaters. Wherever you are, be sure to check out your local co-op because they have it all.
2: Yeah, for sure. And like that's one of the things up here in Canada I I struggle with is there's you know groups that are advocating for everything, but then there's a bunch of people out there. Like even my neighbors, probably my dad, like a whole bunch of people like, well, you know, I don't shoot semi-automatic rifle or semi-automatic anything other than my shotgun. It's just like, well, that could be your shotgun, though. Like, you got to get involved. And, you yeah. know, and there's people out there like, meh, I don't know. But it just seems like the, 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 the States or the U.S. Are, has such good outdoor communities that are, like, almost tight-knit where they're, like, fighting for the same thing. And, and everything kind of comes together and you're pushing back. And it just seems like in Canada we're, like, far and few between. But yeah, yeah, it's just like one of those things, I guess.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think like anytime you get close to a group, you're gonna start to see those like divisions, right? And so it always looks more united from the outside. Um, but certainly, there's lots of there's lots of groups doing lots of great work, defending, you know, hunting hunting rights, fishing rights, firearms rights, and and they're working in Washington and then in the state capitals. Um, a lot of good groups doing, doing a lot of great work. And so we're, yeah. we are fortunate that those groups not only like lobby the legislators, right. But also get out the word when something's happening. And I mean, I like with that semi-auto ban, I, I, like I heard about it. I thought it, it got out there. Um, you, you know, even down here, people were, were talking about it. So at least yeah. with that, you know, that seems to have, have been broadcast pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it got pretty twisted up with center fire semi-automatic firearms it's like wow yeah. shit that's a lot that's a lot of shotguns <laughs> like, yeah,
3: yeah right so, it's all the shotguns right. again exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they they were really pushing it and i think mm-hmm. it kind of like that's that's a little too far even if you don't use a semi-auto even if you don't use x y or z it, mm-hmm. it will affect you down the road and if not you then your kids
2: you no know. yep yeah that's right yeah, and, like, the thing that comes to my mind, too, is, like, and this has been said by thousands of people, but, like, you know, we have a problem with drunk drivers, let's take away the sober drivers' cars. But, like, the thing is, like, well, no, actually, the first of all, let's take away all the hot rods and muscle cars first. You know what I mean? And let's, let's yeah. upset those people. And then after that, we're going to take away sedans and, you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. you want to think of it that way, and it's just, like, it's crazy that the the, thro- the thought process is, is that way.
3: Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's, like, they see it as low-hanging fruit, right? Mm, right. So they see it as a, a way to galvanize supporters and something that they can pass. And so they're going to do mm. what they can do first, and then they're going to move on to the other stuff. And, then you know, they're not, like, shy about saying that. It's not some, like, conspiracy theory, right? Like, Yeah. yeah
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. We, can, we can jump down a huge rabbit hole on we're on the we're on the rim right now mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, much. There, yeah i just about started bringing up how the chinese actually have <laughs> knives on chains no. now but anyways um, yeah no no we'll go there um so back to writing um so when it comes to you know you doing the the writing thing and like what is your favorite what's your favorite topic to kind of cover i know you've kind of said you're not going to be covering how to hunt for big butts but like yeah. what what do you like to to cover like what is your favorite thing?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. You know we have this we have this series at Meater called Barroom banter, and it's well i believe I believe it was Spencer uh Newhart's idea, but it's kind of a catch all for like crazy stuff that you haven't heard of,
2: but that right. would
3: be cool to talk about at a bar <laughs> right? Right, right and so right. this is like anything from like like stories about duck hunters that like a bunch of duck hunters died one day because this like big, big storm rolled in or like, I'm, I'm working on one right now that we'll publish next week um, about a gun that a guy invented in uh, the 1870s that shot a triangle bullet down a triangle shaped barrel. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, it's <laughs> That's cool. Fascinating. Um, And so the reason he did it is because if you think of a, it was a revolver, if you think of a revolver cylinder and how there's like when they're circular, when the cartridges are circular, there's all that kind of extra space between all the circles. But Mm -hmm. if you make the bullets triangle shaped like a pizza, right, all the way around, it uses up more space and lets you have a heavier bullet, a bigger, heavier bullet while fitting the same number of cartridges in the revolver cylinder so anyway that's what i'm working on now it's really interesting Uh, (laughs) i I like those kind of like they're because they're a lot of times they're kind of funny stories they're interesting stories they're fun to research it's fun to talk with people about them um and so that's i think i enjoy that stuff maybe more than than anything else um know, i i do also love the you know writing writing the the gun articles that's a lot of fun, uh, and then you know sometimes we'll do longer like conservation conservation pieces, and and those I think are, are important, and I I like to write those as well. Mm-hmm. But those barroom banter stories are, are great.
2: Yeah, the the, whole, the and that's kind of like um, I wouldn't say it's a fad right now, but like the I find like there's a lot of podcasts not only in like the sports world and like comedy world, but like there's podcasts called like Bellied Up where they're talking, mm-hmm. you know barstool sports was like that's exactly like the framework that they created their whole billion dollar business or whatever it is yeah half a billion dollar business around right like yeah that whole conversation that's just like these podcasts too it's like have a beer you know what i mean like have a have a coffee and shoot the shit and yeah it's good entertainment not only that but like it's good education too right like Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool and the stuff you can figure out and find out is pretty pretty wicked
3: yeah yeah Yeah, it's fun man i mean it's it's fun to wake up every day and get to write about this stuff. I also help um, Ryan Callahan has a podcast uh, and right. so I, I help him write that as well. And that's a blast. I mean, because that that podcast, if if you've heard it, it's got jokes throughout, a lot of humor because because Cal is yeah. just like a, a really like funny, good natured mm-hmm. person. And so getting to cover those stories is great. We do a lot of like, you know, crazy animal stories that's kind oh, yeah. of our bread and butter is like can nice. you believe this animal did x y or z you know and uh, yeah that's yeah.
2: Fun too. well yeah like we we are myself and my uh, my one of my best buddies are uh chase he used to be a helicopter pilot up in the north and like that's how like t- some of our friendship how we connected was those stories and he'd be telling me stories about like them radioing a wolf right and then it went yeah. like all the way down to ontario from like thompson or like you know what i mean like just some crazy story and it's like Mm -hmm. man those are so interesting and speaking of speaking of callahan is that um he's he's one of the funniest guys i think like that that's in the meat eater crew like his his humor is kind of dry hey and it's just uh yeah he'll have these one-liners and you're like holy crap i didn't know that was he was that funny
3: (laughs) yeah oh yeah no and like most of sometimes i'll like you know we'll, we'll be talking about a segment Right, and I'll be like, "It's funny because of this," and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, yeah." And so we'll use that in podcast. But most of it is him. Like most right. <laughs> of it is just like his sense of humor. Something strikes him as funny, and he says it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that is hilarious." Um, to like connect those two things together, or to make that joke, or whatever. And yeah, like that. And that's how he is. Like just hanging out with him too. You know, he's he's a, a great guy.
2: Yeah. Well, have you ever shoved this podcast episode down his throat? Maybe he'll hear me say to check his inbox. I've been after him for like a year to come on the podcast. So really? yeah, his, yeah, his humor is, his humor is great. And, uh, yeah. 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 But, but yeah, Brennan, you got any, uh, kind of, uh, we're kind of getting close to the end here and I know you haven't really, I've been kind of taking all the air time. From <laughs> that's you.
0: okay. I've just been drinking beer and listening. That's, uh, <laughs> that's good about the outdoors sometimes is it's just about the conversation. So I like listening. Listen. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, I did have a, like I, I had messaged you on the Instagram there about like what we were gonna talk about and squirrels. I am mm-hmm. yeah. super interested in squirrel hunting. Like uh, it says squirrels. on on your kind of like uh, me too bio, I guess uh, hanging out in the piney woods. Is that what it is? Or the yeah, is it piney,
3: yeah, piney yeah, woods. Yep, yeah. yeah. So Just, te- Texas has different eco regions, right? Mm-hmm. As all states do, and East Texas is is the piney woods uh so it's based it's like a really they call it the pine curtain actually mm-hmm. because it's very stark you go from um and i forget what the one is the the region's called just to the west of us but like you hit the woods and it's like wow look at all these huge pine trees um and so mm-hmm. that's east texas and that that pine forest goes you know throughout the south and the southeast um and it just kind of starts here in in east texas mm-hmm. and uh yeah great great squirrel hunting um great squirrel hunting culture too mm-hmm. do, do you guys
0: so we squirrels? we actually have open season all the time for gray squirrels uh, yeah you can shoot them at any time of the year uh red squirrels are fur bearing so you have to have a trapper's license and a certain season hmm. you can eat them and you you aren't allowed to waste the pelt obviously okay. which is you know used for like trim on clothing articles or whatever the, you sell them to the fur trade for. Yeah. But uh, I don't actually know a single person that hunts squirrels, but yeah. You have a lot of gray squirrels and I've, I've seen the guys on meat eater. I think Steve's laying down in the trees and hunting yep. squirrels. Like, how does, yep. how does scouting work for squirrels? Because I know like scouting for deer and stuff, you know, we all yeah. know what that is. Oh, deer in that field, go get it. And I'm actually kind of thankful that squirrels don't have antlers because we'd have none left in Manitoba if they did, <laughs> but like what is, how do you scout a squirrel or is it just kind of like go find some good oaks and just see yeah. what kind of comes by?
3: so i mean there's 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 a few things to look there's a few things that i look for right drays so the squirrel nests up in the trees are a big one and like i'll just keep walking like if i'm hunting squirrels
2: just wait wait. jordan you said what did you say a dray which is a squirrel's nest i don't even Mm -hmm. know what that would look like
3: yeah it's like uh it just looks like a big old bird nest i think i think if you're in an area with birds that make really big nests you you might like it might be a little confusing i don't i'm sure there are there are some hawks maybe that that make big nests but um i didn't usually, know squirrels yes
0: yeah. i thought they just chewed they their way into a tree like a well so bird.
3: yeah they do that too they do that too like if it's a hollow tree and mm-hmm. you see there's a hole in there like there could be a squirrel there and i've heard i've this has never worked for me but i've heard that you can go up to the tree you take like a stick and you kind of like scratch it along the tree and the squirrel maybe thinks it's some like predator climbing the tree and so it runs out of its hole um in the tree but yeah they they can make like a nest in mm-hmm. the tree down here the 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 gray squirrels and the fox squirrels um or they yeah sometimes they, they live in holes in, in, in hollow trees but yeah you look for those and then they make these um and I don't know what these are called but on the ground you know when they're like burying stuff they make these little holes in the ground and here with the, all the pine needles you can a lot of times see where they've made these little holes and so you mm-hmm. see a, you see a place with a bunch of drays a bunch of these little holes in the ground there's probably going to be squirrels there if there's oak trees you know you're looking for places with a bunch of acorns they're gonna they're gonna like that too and so yeah you're just you're just looking for, for those those types of places. They'll they'll probably be squirrels there. Sometimes yeah. there aren't, or or sometimes they know you're there and they just don't come out, and so mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to know which is which. It's but, way to game. So yeah. are, you, are you
0: dragging home like a belt full of squirrels when you go out, or is it just kind of a go get a couple? Like you're eating, well, you're eating them. Is that the kind of thing? Yeah, obviously.
3: <laughs> yeah, a belt full is is the goal. Um, yeah. Usually it's it's more like a couple. You know, yeah. uh, depending on on where I, where I'm at and how much time I have. But I I like it because. Uh, two reasons really. One is the like marksmanship component, right? And like, it's always, you know, whenever you're gun hunting, like there's a marksmanship component. Um, mm-hmm. But the nice thing about squirrels is that it's, you don't just take one shot. Right. And mm-hmm. I hunt with a, with a 22 headshots, to not waste any of the meat. And so mm-hmm. there's like this really cool, you know, it's, it's challenging, but it's not like impossible. And you can take like, you know, three, four or five shots uh mm. every time you go out and so it's like hunting but it's all it is hunting but it's also a little bit like fishing in the aspect of like you're bringing home more than more than one right mm-hmm. um, yeah and you know bird hunting's like that too but i'm I'm not a huge huge bird hunter so mm-hmm.
2: yeah that uh and then another thing to add on to what you're saying is that it doesn't cost you like 12 dollars a shot like it does with yeah the <laughs> other yeah, stuff yeah. That we're hunting lately yeah um exactly When it comes to squirrels, I've always been interested in it, and since Meteor came out, we've always kind of talked about it in my little groups, uh, hunting groups around home. But I will tell you, i got to tell you a story. No, first of all, I'll tell you this, is that, A, I don't know if I could squirrel hunt because I'm petrified of mice for some reason, and I don't know if I could skin (laughs) one out, but I bet you I could eat it because I love food. But kind of a side story, I know a guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but he shoots a lot of red squirrels at his house because they're like all over the place. Yeah. So he's got his lab. He's got this chocolate lab. And that dog's, like, lassie, man. He'll, like, he'll be outside, and then all of a sudden he comes running the door, and he's, like, wagging his tail and, like, looking nice. and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, the guy will come up with his gun and shoot a red squirrel, and, the, and then the, the dog actually gets it as a, a little treat. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious. This dog nice. is so good at it, and he's supposed that, to be a, yeah, a bird dog, and he's a squirrel dog now. <laughs>
3: yeah. No, that'd be great. I'd love that if if my dog did that she she'll just kill the squirrel like she's yeah. a predator with the yeah she's killed more than one but the, the yeah. squirrels
0: are often the bane of my dog's existence it's yeah like, that's her TV is watching out mm-hmm. the window for them little buggers I just like to you know tease her yeah but uh she gets one every once in a while and it's it's uh, a yeah, it's an event <laughs> she's proud of herself
3: it's a great day yeah you uh
0: God. you talked about the squirrel hunting community uh mm-hmm. what what is the squirrel hunting community like i said up here if you know if people really got on to squirrel hunting we'd probably have no squirrels left <laughs> so yeah. it'd just be a, a thing for like one season but uh, what's, yeah what's like squirrel hunting community kind of look like uh successful one anyways
3: yeah i mean i think it it what i just mean is there's a lot of people who still do it and still value it right mm-hmm. For for the experience and then also for the meat right like it's mm-hmm. a pretty traditional southern sort of dish right is is squirrel squirrel and dumplings um is, okay is a pretty, um,
0: that was my next question is how are you how are you making it like what's yeah that? yeah what's that's it?
3: that's like i think the, or fried squirrel uh, either that or fried you squirrel. just you just fry it up um mm-hmm. like bre- bread it and fry it so east Texas, so in most of texas it's an open season all year long like they don't really care um but in east texas there is a season and it's a long season it's october to like february and then there's like a the month of may for whatever reason mm-hmm. you can hunt squirrels and that that just says to me like this is a place with a lot of squirrel hunters if they need a season you know mm-hmm. yeah. to, to like limit them and also it's a place where you know people people like to do it so it's mm-hmm. it's not uncommon you go out we don't have tons of public land uh, unfortunately but there is a wildlife management area north of where i live and you go out there during squirrel season and it's not uncommon to find other squirrel hunters out there um going after squirrels and you know you talk like how how many did you get where'd you see him you know mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah it's that's a crazy in it's my a mind. thing, <laughs> thing. yeah i think it's awesome yeah, yeah small small game man it's uh it's fun
2: i always and that's one thing that i kind of often wonder about you know, like I said earlier, when I'm driving and I'm just like thinking about nonsense is like where the disconnection was for humans between like Southern states to like, let's just say Canada in general, because like they do like frog legs and they do the squirrels and they do mm-hmm. like crawfish and that's stuff like, I don't know if our, you know, maybe we're too stuck up here in, in Canada. Maybe we're not as polite as we thought we were, but like we, <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never had it. And Brendan, I don't know if you can vouch for me or not, but I've never ate a frog in Canada. I've never ate, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Actually,
0: like, shameless plug to Heritage Co op, you can get uh frog legs from Heritage Co op a couple times a year. They really? do like the frog legs, <laughs> yeah, chicken uh-huh. of the swamp, I call them.
2: And yeah, just <laughs> no like a chicken way. wing,
0: the bottom ass of a uh of a frog, they're really good, really good. Just barbecue sauce them up, up. I did up. not they're know
2: really that, good.
0: yeah. I've had them a couple times in April, like fucking frog legs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, why not?
3: That's awesome,
2: yeah. like co op like co-op uh, grocery store <laughs> yeah, Nipo, uh, yeah from, uh, with, has need to attacks me when they're out yeah yep hell yeah
3: oh huh. yeah man good. i don't i mean i'm sure there's like a ton of different reasons it it seems like probably um like environment and like habitat mm-hmm. i'm sure is yeah. a big part of it um yeah. the, the swamps down here have a lot of frogs <laughs> you, <laughs> you know i'd imagine um, so yeah yeah and like you know you guys have have lots of small game um mm-hmm. but so i don't really know why i don't know i, I don't know rabbit. why like culturally it's it's more of a thing in certain communities in the south but oh, like okay. it's it's a thing all over too like mm-hmm. you know lots yeah, of people like in like michigan grew up hunting squirrels too yeah. yeah a bunch of
0: people still do pigeon we call it squab you know canned pigeon it's actually really mm-hmm. good a lot of the old boys that are listening know about squab it's uh yeah <laughs> it's real good
2: stuff yeah so, the old boys are still trying to figure out how to put the podcast on. But when we get it on for them, <laughs> yeah. like, my dad, when I can get it on his truck for him, he enjoys listening to them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the, the other thing that I all, like I think about is, like, that disconnect. Maybe it was, like, I don't know. Maybe this is just me daydreaming. But, like, you know, when people came up to Canada or came into Canada or whatever, it's, like, there are so many other game to to you know to to use mm-hmm. or harvest compared to like mm-hmm. some of these southern states that might have been in like very bad poverty or whatever it may be and there wasn't much yep. around or or they shot them out until there wasn't nothing they're like eating frogs and
3: yep. i don't know mm-hmm. that's just me yeah thinking. yeah no i i think that both of those the the uh you know the the poverty thing it's like we don't have money to go to the grocery store so we go shoot some squirrels you know yeah. and we go yeah. uh we go collect some some frogs you know there's poor people everywhere but but Oops, i do think yeah. that that has some something to do with it um and then yeah like lack of other types of a big game um i know like in in east texas uh there's we don't have a lot of ag here right so the deer densities aren't super high and the deer don't grow super big um hmm. so that could could be part of it too um i don't know
2: yeah,
3: yeah. Um, and just kind of
2: shifting gears here before we don't go too long, but when's the last time you've been uh, up in Canada hunting or fishing?
3: Great question. So, <laughs> man, it's been a while and yeah. I, I haven't hunted just fish. Okay. We, uh, my, some relatives of mine had a cabin on Lake of the woods that mm-hmm. I've been to, but I'm talking like 15 years ago, um, oh, yeah. like a long, long time ago, but I would love to. Uh, my, my uncle is a big outdoorsman. He, and he has a cabin somewhere. I don't even know where, <laughs> uh, but I actually wanted to, I wanted to ask you guys, does my being, so I have my Canadian citizenship. I'm a dual citizen. Does mm-hmm. that do anything for me getting tags licenses in Canada, having that citizenship or does, do I have to have uh like be a resident?
0: I believe you have to have a physical address. I could be okay, wrong, I but so. um, yeah. I think you would still be. I think they call it an alien, but uh, yeah. yeah, you'd be just just an uh, out of country tag or yeah, foreign okay. foreign foreign resident. Yeah. Okay. Well, I could yeah, be. I could be wrong. On. Like you could you could go and probably get a PO box and mm. be okay maybe i'd have to look at the loopholes for that sure maybe but... that might mm-hmm. be the
2: gray area but yeah. the other thing is too is like um he would be like for instance if he came to manitoba to hunt waterfowl he'd be basically an out of province non-resident not an mm. out, of country, out of country right no
0: i think he would be a a, a non-resident yeah, yeah i think he'd have to be i no, don't have him. A residency that's, a good, in that's a good question for our guides because i think to hunt waterfowl in manitoba you need uh a canadian with a guiding license i'm pretty sure i know in bc like as manitoba to hunt in bc i have to have a uh, a bc resident with me while i'm hunting yeah and for a certain yeah. game like i would take over maybe their tag i again could be wrong but yeah i'm pretty sure for you to come up and hunt waterfowl you'd have to probably be through a, an outfitter
3: mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah, I I thought I'd ask, oh. I was thinking about that the other day because I was like, man, I'd like to go up there because you know have relatives up there I could stay with and but you know I didn't know if I if I need a non resident yeah. like pay for our, for the non resident stuff.
0: Our yeah. our computer lady is saying would be considered a non resident Canadian citizen, but yeah. doesn't live in Canada. There we go. So. yep Okay. Yep.
2: Deadly. Bummer. Here come on up,
0: anyways. Yeah. Come on up. Yeah. That's right.
2: Well, the reason why I asked that question is because I do want to just throw the invite out. And if you ever do come up to Manitoba, I mean, look us up. We've uh, not only, I, in my mind, have some of the best fishing in the world, but we have lots of uh, cool opportunities too, right? When it comes to uh, hunting. So,
3: yeah, for sure, man. I'd, I'd love that. Yeah,
0: our waterfowl yeah. is world renowned. You know, we share, we had a, mm-hmm. a podcast guest, not that, I guess, kind of recently, Colton Kerr from Arkansas. And, uh, you know, we share the same flyway with him. And it's really neat to, talking yeah. about how the birds from by the time they get up from us down to him, you know, the different plumage, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's yeah. it's really cool. So we yeah. probably have a lot of similarities in, in some stuff and it'd be neat to, to compare notes, I guess.
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's cool. Wasn't there like a, there was, Oh, with the, um, with the bird, the bird flu, there was something where like U S hunters were going up to Canada and then they like, couldn't bring their birds back. Yeah. Hmm. Didn't that I don't know. Last year,
2: yeah, I don't know. I guess you guys wouldn't be affected that. by that. No. Yeah, but there there is like quite a few guides in my area, and I know that that was the case. It was I don't know the ins and outs, but it was like yeah, something like they had to. There was like no bone transport. There's mm-hmm. no. There's a bunch of like yeah. There's a bunch of rules. I think you could still take breasts and stuff back, but I don't think yeah. you could do a whole bird. Mm-hmm. For yeah. Some reason.
3: Yeah. Right. And like people down here were like, the birds are flying over. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah exactly we're not <laughs> doing not... anything they're not doing already <laughs>
0: yeah. Sh- yeah stop them at customs yeah get the yeah. get the shots yeah but i don't know how that would work you know because we have to transport birds with a wing on them i think still don't we sheldon so like, yep. they should have to be for variety they yep. changed the of uh, some of the rules with processing and what like a processed bird looks like mm-hmm. versus yeah freezer to yeah bag limit yeah. versus uh possession
3: yeah yeah yeah, and there was some kind of catch 22 where it was like you couldn't keep the identification, like the wing on for identification, like that disqualified it, but mm-hmm. so you couldn't do either, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, so I think Damned I if you do, you're damned if you
2: don't. Like, well, yeah, what is exactly. it? Well, it's a bird. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Should have just frozen, put them in a box, and just say, yeah, this is a box of chicken breasts, man. I
3: promise.
2: Yeah. Very red chicken breasts. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well right on jordan yeah. uh brendan do you have any kind of final thoughts last questions for jordan before we uh no that satisf-
0: satisfied my uh my squirrel hunting
2: questions that i have yeah
3: man <laughs> i've been building anytime up you for, have, for days anytime you want to talk squirrel hunting <laughs> yeah. Shit, yeah. Well, yeah i kind
2: yeah. of forgot about that and i was glad you brought it up because i really wanted to know because like i said we've talked about in our, our you know having a having a few drinks around the camp, campfire we've always talked about squirrel hunting. Never done it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah it's well, also
3: they, you know, it's also like great because it's kind of a communal thing you know like mm-hmm. with, you can go out with friends and yeah. uh that's mm-hmm. that's a great part of it too
0: yeah that'd be, that'd be awesome we should start a squirrel hunting league film there you go yeah They're pretty deadly yeah. <laughs> they get pretty uh-huh. big up here man they can get yeah they get yeah pretty
2: big. Mm-hmm. the size of chihuahuas up here man yeah i bet, <laughs>
3: I bet. well yeah. hot hot tip though um if you get one The little, like the littler they are, the better they are for frying. Because once they get big and you try to just like bread them and fry them, it's like rubber, man. You gotta like crock pot the big ones. Yeah, you crock pot the big ones, you fry the little ones. And the little ones, I mean, if you, if you breaded and fried a squirrel leg and gave it to someone and said it was a chicken wing, they would believe you. Like, no way. It's it's good. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. 100%.
2: So what's the preference red or gray squirrels?
3: So we don't have red squirrels. Uh, okay. we do have gray squirrels and we also have fox squirrels. And man, I've never seen a fox squirrel like in the woods. They're always in neighborhoods. I don't know <laughs> what it is. They just like really like the trash or whatever, you know, whatever. You, the yeah, they just like not having predators, I guess. Um uh, so gray <laughs> squirrels are pretty much the only thing that that I've ever that I've ever eaten. Yeah.
2: Interesting. so okay so uh, we're trying to wrap it up but i got a couple more questions about texas here <laughs> so is there anything like like what else crazy have you eaten in texas that's like normal like do you guys like eat alligator normally um
3: i mean alligators probably more common like than up where you guys are
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like
3: access to it and like like you can get it a lot of times if you go to like the fair they'll have right. it on like a stick fried on a stick it's like alligator sticks um nice. so that and i haven't eaten a lot of it it's pretty much always been that like breaded and fried but it's good yeah. um it's like maybe a little like richer tasting than like chicken um it's got like i don't know more of a like a like a dark meat i guess right. but yeah i don't know i mean let's see what do we eat in texas i mean fish
0: Not a catfish
3: yep yep yeah. catfish catfish for sure um, rattlesnake
0: i heard rattlesnake but i don't know if that's
3: i've never eaten one i've heard that you can though and Mm -hmm. um we've i skinned one once and like tried to like pin the skin and like preserve it Mm -hmm. Uh, oh yeah and that that was and like when you skin when you skin it you know it's like taking off a sock you just like Mm -hmm. and you look at it and you're like yeah that's a good chunk of meat right there and we didn't we didn't end up trying to eat it but i sure you could um, yeah, I don't they, know. How they freaked
0: me out we have a we have a variety of rattlesnake up here
3: yeah okay yeah, yeah.
0: Phew, the prairie rattlesnake it's yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's quite intimidating yeah. when you you come from the prairies and it's just like garter snakes and some hognose snakes which yeah. i'm absolutely terrified of but seeing a, a rattlesnake in canada is like
3: why <laughs> yeah right why are you here <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no we have um cottonmouths are oh, the yeah. big like thing like we on our property here we have mm-hmm. we'll have them and I'll I'll I usually shoot a couple a year and they don't get mm-hmm. the ones I've seen haven't gotten too big but definitely definitely poisonous um yeah our, our dog one time came she likes to you know just run around the property and uh her like I looked at her and it's like why is your neck like thicker than normal and sure enough she'd gotten bitten by something and her like jaw and neck just like swelled up and she seemed fine like she didn't seem to be having trouble breathing she was eating and drinking and so we thought well we'll just see how she does and you know she was fine after a few days but she'd gotten bitten by mm-hmm. by uh cod mouth so Ugh, no way not, you don't want to mess with them
0: they're pretty not aggressive
3: not the ones that i've come across but i usually like the ones that i've come across it's like we're clearing brush somewhere you know mm-hmm. and you know we have the the tractor out or whatever um, and we like clear some brush and oh, there's one right there you know and you see it from a ways away i've never like stepped on one i think mm-hmm. if you step on one yeah you know, yeah wow well, they're gonna go natural, after you. natural yeah.
0: response get off. right
3: right yeah <laughs> get off me right yeah. um but yeah i haven't not not in my experience but i don't get too close to them either
2: hmm.
3: mm-hmm.
2: well now that i know that cotton create swelling that's gonna be my excuse for my stomach now so i say <laughs> <get> my cotton <laughs> a few yeah. years ago <laughs> yeah that's right still, still in recovery
3: <laughs> yeah yeah it's
2: been a while but that's what happens when you, yeah well jordan uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on here it's uh you know it's one of those things that it's it's the time of the podcast where it's like i hate pumping up guys tires or people's tires whoever come on the podcast but i i really got to say thank you uh, a ton for coming on because not only is it like-minded people are fun to talk to but like uh, somebody that wants to have you know maybe a small footprint in this world that we have in the conservation world and the outdoor world as it is um it's it's just been a pleasure to talk to you and and thank you for everything that you've done the some of the articles that you've written and uh keep doing what you're doing because uh if, if it if nobody's appreciating you me and uh brennan do right now at this <laughs> <That's very> <laughs> moment.
3: <laughs> awesome man yeah that's gonna get me through the week there we go
2: yeah <laughs> right on well yeah and i hope uh, maybe we keep this uh this uh little connection going and uh get you back on the podcast in, in time and, and have a whole
3: bunch of other stuff to talk about so yeah for sure for I sure yeah I'd, I'd love to come back on awesome oh yeah
2: okay well you keep doing what you do down in texas and uh i'll be waiting for my postcard and we'll be sending you, <laughs> sending you a hat or something
3: thanks oh yeah i love hats man i'm a big hat guy perfect so i'll, I I'll you wear it that's I our know. go-to take care cool thanks guys
1: and that's another wrap on 162 again thanks to jordan for coming on sounds like hopefully we could get jordan on again another time it sounds like there's a little bit more to talk about i i wasn't it like i said i wasn't in on that one but it it uh from what i heard it sounded like there was quite a bit of conversation that jordan could expand on either way
0: Oh yeah. There was some more nerd note that could have happened. (laughs) There was some (laughs) uh, smaller game hunting and all that for sure. He was a, he was a pretty cool guest though to talk to.
1: Yeah. That's so cool. And, uh, and then on our end, just to update, uh, in the store, be sure to be on the lookout for next week there. If you're listening to now, um, hopefully sometime this upcoming week we'll have the blaze orange hats in stock and you'll be able to, uh, purchase one of those to make sure you're safe in the field um, for your next outing.
0: For the red or, or orange army, I should say. Join the orange army.
1: Yeah. Right yeah.
0: hunting Starting soon.
1: Yeah. And even honestly, I could probably use a second one for upland hunting because my, yeah. my current one's getting kind of mucky. So yeah, <laughs> uh, always actually it, it's, I don't know about you, but I normally keep like a bit of a stockpile of orange hats. Cause I. Never trust my buddies to bring one when we go (laughs) on things,
0: yeah. It uh, it happens, and of course, in Manitoba, you have the part A and part B. You need the hat, and you need the uninterrupted version on the chest. Brennan might have learned the hard way on that one once before. Once upon a time, but yeah, I did, yeah. Oh no, right behind my dang old house. So, had the part A, I guess, is the hat, and uh. I had orange accents. I knew better. Let's be honest. I'll be real yeah, yeah. about it. Knew better. And I was muzzleloader wasn't even rifle season yet. So you actually have to have it on for muzzleloader. Yeah. And, uh, didn't have enough orange on my chest and yep. That's the huh. rules. That's what it's about. And uh, yeah, nobody's above it. So make sure that you, yeah, all your orange. That's just a lesson that I learned a, a few years ago, many months yeah. ago, but
1: yep. Yeah. I mean it it all that's all it takes. Well I guess then it's better to uh to learn that way than the uh the other way.
0: <laughs> oh hundred percent. It is it's for safety. You know, there's some provinces where it's just not required and it just blows me away. It's like mm-hmm. really, really mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. But
1: yeah. Yeah, and that, but
0: I got all kinds of orange now. It's everywhere, yeah. all over the hubs.
1: Yeah. And it's a nice color. Oh yeah. Uh, the other thing where hopefully you'll be able to see us is at the Wild at Heart dinner. So that's the Manitoba Wildlife Federation fundraiser here at the end of the month in October. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna try and make it out there. I know a few of us have commitments at that time, but uh, hopefully we can wiggle in there and uh, be present. And because it is a it is a good event with a good cause. Um, so if we're around, hopefully we bump into you there. That's right. And so if we don't see uh in the field with your blades on. If we don't see you at the Wild at hunt, Heart function, um, hopefully we'll see you on the streams or, I mean, I hate to say it, but it might almost be time to see you on the ice sooner or later here. Oh, yep, um, yep. And if we don't see you there, be sure to keep an edge on your knife there, keep those squirrel guns sighted in <laughs> and keep that orange uninterrupted. That's right. Thanks, folks.